shown grace already and what you accomplished in the 9 a.m. service this morning. Lord, give us that unusual ability to see the truth, hear the truth, know it, to believe, to understand the sanity of faith. A lot of people here who need to really reconcile with who you are. And I ask for a lot of wisdom right now, please. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Romans 16, 66 to 10, Paul writes these words. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Ubanus, our fellow worker in Christ. And Stachys, my beloved. Greet Apelles, the approved in Christ. And greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. I want to do a quick breakout on these and just walk through it and the significance of these people. We don't know a lot about these people except what Paul gives us. So that being the case, let's just work through it. Number one, greet Mary who has worked hard for you. The phrase worked hard is actually a technical Greek phrase and it really means uh, it's the kind of stuff that missionaries and pastors do is what it is. In Latin, Maria or Greek, Maria. In Hebrew, Miriam. Okay? Now wouldn't it be cool if this was the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ that Mary? That'd be really cool. But most likely it's not because uh, you know, Mary... Uh, you know, Christ died around 80, 30, 80, 33 ish, depends on some dating issues, but right, right around then. And Mary uh, was relatively young when she gave birth to Christ, certainly. Could she be alive at around 80, 55 ish to 58 when this was written? She sure could, but in all likelihood, it's not her. She's in Jerusalem. And uh, uh, this is another Mary. It's a very common name. And uh, it means to c- complain, by the way. <laughs> It means to grumble and fuss and complain, and even means Chris to be rebellious. In fact, Miriam, the sister of Moses, was so, she acted so merry that God said, I've had enough. I think you need leprosy, and I'll just pop and give you leprosy to see how you handle that for a while. And sure enough, uh, Miriam had leprosy, and in the course of that, she realized that she was living up to her name, and that she better change her mind and change her ways. She did and was a supporter of her brother, and the leprosy was taken away. So God sometimes brings some things into our life to teach us little lessons. But she worked hard. So this is interesting, uh, Tammy, that Paul is giving a a descriptor to a female about doing the work of a man. Because that phrase is very technical and is repeated over and over about 19 times. And other usages, and it's always describing what men do. And so Paul, without hesitating, says, Mary is working hard, just like the rest of the men at church. Okay? Greet Andronicus and Junius. Now here's what's cool. They're husband and wife. Okay? Uh, Andronicus is a male, Junius is wife. This is interesting. My kinsmen and fellow prisoners, guess what that means? They've been in jail with Paul. They experienced arrest, okay, who are outstanding among the apostles. Here's the short version. There's two ways to interpret this. Number one, all the apostles thought they were really cool. 
All the apostles thought they're really special. Wow, they're, they're great examples, Philip. Or there's another way to see it. You know what that is, don't you? They are apostles, and they're some of the best. The latter is the case. They are apostles. So we have, in verse 7, the first recorded reference in Christian history of a female apostle. Just like you have in uh, verse 1 at 16.1, the first recorded name in history, Tiffany, of a female deacon. Her name is Phoebe. Phoebe was the voice of Paul and would be the one that would read the entire letter of Romans to the church when, when she got there with this manuscript. So here we go again. Another woman in a significant, profound level of leadership. Now, you need to understand something and appreciate some history. We Americans love titles. We think titles are important. They're on our resumes. They're on our CVs. We load up titles, we load up certifications because it is those titles by which we drive a lot of value in our culture, okay? I don't like to ever be called reverend, okay? Can I get that out there? Please don't ever call me reverend. It's hard enough for me to, to, to swallow pastor at times. All I right, like we'll Chris. You know, Chris is a good, I like Chris. That's a good thing. Just call me Chris. I don't need titles. My ego, my sense of self and identity is so healthily formed and integrated with Christ I don't have to be called brother, most right reverend monsignor grand potentate. Chris, you don't have to say that stuff. You know, just say dude or hey you. And I'm like, yeah, what? You know, I'm not into titles, okay? Uh, the first century church, they weren't into titles either. It really didn't matter. So when, when I say that they're standing among the apostles, the word apostolos literally just means sent. It means to be sent with a mission. For example, my wife might turn me around by the collar and say, sweetheart, would you please go to Kroger and get a couple of yellow onions and a bag of celery and so-and-so? I'm going to cook some delicious pasta tonight. And at that point, she sends me on a mission. I am her apostle. It's a functional concept to be sent with a task. That's it. Okay? We don't need to think of it as some grand official structure, infrastructure, and all that. No, no, no. But what we do need to recognize is that she's acting like a man, doing preaching the gospel, doing evangelistic work, helping with the establishment of new churches, and getting those churches set up. Okay, Gris ampliatus, in Latin it just simply means to be enlarged. Uh, maybe he ate donuts for breakfast. I don't know, but, but he must have been a big dude. It means to be enlarged. Who knows? My beloved in the Lord, um, ampliatus and stachys, both are called beloved. Paul had deep attachments. We talked about those 10 people a couple Sundays ago that Paul said he loved. Uh, Greeter Banners, uh, no surprise, it means to be of the city. He's a city guy. Greeter Banners, our fellow worker. There you go, technical term. This guy's out doing mission work. And greet Stachys. By the way, Stachys, uh, is basic Greek use means to be an ear. It's an ear of corn. That's the guy's name, ear of corn or a head of grain, stakeys. And guess what? They tended to give that name to who? Pick, take a pick. Take a pick. Slaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Base level people, slaves. Most likely stakeys is possibly still a slave or perhaps freed. He bought his way out of slavery. But we're talking social on the lower levels of, of the social stratum of the Roman Empire, okay? 
uh, apelles, which means to be called, the approved in Christ. My beloved wife, Lisa, put your hands over your ears. I know she won't like this. So she's like, man, life is Hallmark. Can I just say that at my house at 37 Bradford? We are living out a Hallmark commercial. Um, tough news on this guy. What does it mean to be approved in Christ? That's an odd phrase. Very odd. Most likely he experienced arrest and torture. Okay. And didn't recant his faith. Okay. That that's what that means. He was approved. Uh, there was so much cultural pressure in the early church on, on how do you handle your faith in persecution. For example, right now in the Southern Baptist Convention, I know for a fact, there's scores and scores of churches that are fighting about how you should do worship. Whether you should do hymns, or whether that modern, those young people and hippies that play music in church in a band, that's just ungodly, bringing worldly music in the church in the band, you know. Or it's got to be hymnals, you know, the organ and the piano. And churches are splitting over this stuff. It's called worship wars in the Southern Baptist Convention. It's happening all over the U.S. Where an older generation is, is caught in the tension of how you, how you live out your faith in 2017, 2017. Makes sense. Back in the early church, guess what they struggled with? It wasn't about whether or not you used the organ or play top 40 Caleb hits. Their battle was this. What do you do when there's a Christian that gets arrested and when the beatings of the torture start, they do renounce their faith. And they go, all right, all right, all right. I denounce Jesus. He's not my Lord. And I confess Caesar is Lord. Please stop. This hurts really bad. And they go, okay, that's all we wanted. Sign here. And they let you go. Should we accept them back in the church? That's what the early church dealt with. Do you accept back in the church like it's all hunky-dory someone who renounced their faith in Christ when they were arrested? The early church struggled with that. And there was a pretty big chunk of the church that said, no, you don't. They turned their back on Christ. Don't take them back in. They chose sides. But there's another chunk of the church, James, that said, that's, they're humans. They're responding to trauma. Take them back in. So that's something the early church dealt with. We're struggling whether or not we should use a hymnal. Does that make sense? Or we're struggling just in attending church. And I get people at Christchurch maybe once a month or once a quarter. They're just swamped and covered up with so many hobbies. So much business, you know. You know, I mean, we're talking about a deep, deep level of commitment in this guy, Apelles, that Paul says he's approved. And it's a cue that he didn't run when he had a chance. And then greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus, which means a good counselor, or the best counselor is what his name literally means. Which is interesting, because I guess if you go through that kind of trauma and persecution, you need a therapist. You guys talk to somebody about it, right? PTSD in the first century. I could go on, I, I want to put the brakes on it he, here. Because uh, there, there's some things that are kind of yelling at me right now out of the text. Some things that are really, really significant. Uh, I want you to see 
First of all, what is not said. Look at what's not said. Let's, it's an argument from silence, but it's an argument that we can at least consider. Is there anything obvious here? In fact, if you want to go ahead and open it up and look at, look at the big picture of chapter 16 and go through all the names, is, there, is it striking what Paul, how Paul is not describing these people? Take a look. Because he kind of repeats himself. You know, several people are loved. Several are hard workers. There's several women. Is there anything that you notice about these people? They're all intimately, they're all intimately involved in churches, dozen to two dozen churches that are existing in Rome at the time. Anything fascinating that, they're, that he's not saying? You think you see anything about speaking in tongues? It's really interesting to me that if there was a chance, woulda, coulda, shoulda, engage a bunch of bragging rights and using certain expressions of spirituality as the benchmark of getting on this this high level list called Romans sixteen. He says nothing about the gift of prophecy. He says nothing about the gift of tongues or interpreting tongues. He says nothing about faith healing. Doesn't say a thing. He doesn't, he doesn't say something like this. Greet Andronicus and Junius. The best prophetizer people in the whole land, you know, are, or Ampliatus. Boy, that guy can speak in tongues and Urbanus can interpret anything he says. It's never mentioned. And if that was a core value that was absolutely and ultimately defining by Paul, or defined by Paul, boy, this is the time to pull out the stops. This is the time to engage in really getting your core values out on this brag list, this list of names, Romans 16. It doesn't say anything about it. Nothing. Now, I'm not trying to say the Holy Spirit has got nothing to do with this. It has everything to do with it. You think you need the Holy Spirit when you're being tortured? You think you need the Holy Spirit when you're, when you're under arrest? You think you need the Holy Spirit when you've been weeks away from your home and you're tired and you're hungry and you're lonely and you've been arrested again for preaching the gospel in a place that doesn't welcome Christianity? Think you need the Holy Spirit on that one? Absolutely. By the way, do you see anybody, do you see Paul saying, greet so-and-so, greet Apelles, one of the finest businessmen in the Greco-Roman world. Greet Stachys, who has excelled in, in their career on LinkedIn.com and, and is the most, the business guru of the Greco-Roman world. No, nothing to that effect, nothing at all. He's silent about so many things. What, what are the core values, you jump in here, what are the core values that lie right behind concepts of Worked hard as same among the apostles, beloved, fellow worker, beloved, approved in, approved in Christ, and a good counselor. What are the core values behind all that driving those descriptive titles? Dedication. Dedication. Faith. Faith. Focus. Focus. Boy, you've got to choose your battles, don't you, on this one? You, yeah, big time. Somebody, what else did you say? Calling. Calling. Apelles, whose very name means to be called. Yes. What else? 
Love. 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 Yeah. For who? Who? Who's loving who? They have obviously shown Paul love in the past and he's recurring. Yeah, yeah. Deep attachment, deep love. Yeah, Colby. This is this is contextually, if we if we put ourselves in this text, this is something that we just absolutely can't fathom. Thank you, Colby. <laughs> we, this is deep we, stuff. Well, this is the persecuted church. Yes. This is life or death. Yes. And and I don't know where everyone here has traveled. Maybe someone here has traveled into a, a place where they were persecuted. But, I mean, I've been in a part of a church group that was kicked out of a place because we were a church group. But that, I mean, it wasn't this. These are attributes at their very base level. This is, if you're going to Rome and you're taking your faith with you, beware that when you get in there, these are the people that are safe harbors. It doesn't talk about, hey, down here at, at this other one, right across the street's a coffee shop, the best coffee. And right next to that, <laughs> and you've got the best pastries in the world, and their music, oh, their music, oh, I can't. I can't. Yeah, yeah the, the church at Aristobulus' house, his household, they've got the best band. The, yeah. They can worship there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, I often make comments about how we live in this time with no apex predators about and, and we become very privileged. And the church has also done this. In this time, the church had apex predators pursuing them. Yes. And if you don't get what I mean by that, talk with me later. But it's Top of the food chain, coming down, absolutely. The, the point here is we don't live this way, and this message is brief. Very. To talk about this many people, this many house churches... In such a short yes. time, yes. there's a lot that can't be gone into, yes. Yes. but the, the <clears throat> basics can. And the basics are, these people are safe, these people will help you and encourage yes. you. Yes. And I would, I mean, I, while it's not here, it was edited out, or it was never included, I would love to know how many people he said, well, this one, and eh, so-so, and, you know, this family, yeah, you might be onto something because if look at uh, Kobe, look at verse uh, twenty-two. Who actually wrote Romans? Tertius. Tertius. Yeah, the T is hard across the board. Tertius. Yeah, he actually wrote it. Paul dictated it. But there, yeah, the the degree of editing and Paul going, wait, wait, don't write that. Mm, let me think. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, yep, yep, yep. Don't forget this guy, yeah. Who knows, Colby? It, who knows? Yeah. But there's a lot back there, isn't there? A whole lot, yeah. By the way, uh, Romans 17. Everybody turn to Romans 17. There. Boy, a bunch of you fell for that one. A bunch of you fell. <clears throat> one in particular... <clears throat> If, <laughs> if we could write, <clears throat> we, if we could write <clears throat> Romans 17, mm -hmm. could I include your name? 
Can I include you in a list? Please be, be wise. Please be careful uh, with churches and what they sell. What churches sell. Be careful. Be careful. There are so many churches that claim to have a... They've cornered the market of the Holy Spirit and they claim a whole lot of stuff. But you know what? So much of it is is manipulation. So much of it is the herd instinct. (laughs) The herd instinct is very real in the human brain. So much of it is manipulation. And I'm telling you, when you're really filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God is really on you, the way the New Testament makes it very, very clear, it is not about the charismatic stuff and what's being sold in churches today. And sadly, sadly to say, they're selling and we're buying. What really, what really defines the work of the Holy Spirit when you get down to what Jesus said and what Paul said is this. These are the kinds of people that are truly filled with the Holy Spirit. They've got what it takes to work hard when their bones are aching and they're tired and they've gone a long time with not having the comfort of their own home or good food. Or they're constantly getting beaten. If you remember the Roman rule... Punish first, and then ask questions. It's like, ready, fire, aim. That's, that's Rome, okay? They arrest you, they beat you, then they ask the questions. Because now that you're hurting, you're probably willing to tell the truth. That's Roman law enforcement, okay? It was hard to live in this culture, very hard. And when you're an apostle, you're a super high-risk person, when you're a missionary, you're a super high-risk person because you keep sticking your nose in places where they don't want you. And you will not shut your mouth when they want you to be quiet. You go to key places and you start talking. And you start talking. And you start talking about this thing called Jesus. And this thing called the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. And there's only one true God. And you smack the hornet's nest. And then there's kickback. And it happens all the time. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And then when there's true, deep, and loving relationships, fellow workers, appellees, what a guy. I wonder what he looks like. I wonder if he's got scars. Hey, yes, sir. Yeah. Living in the cultures where they are persecuted, where their families reject them, is a very common thing, you know, rejecting them completely, even possibly wanting to murder them afterwards. Mm-hmm. I just want to add to that, you know, he doesn't necessarily need to say, you know, oh, you know, this prophet's really good because whenever living in, in that type of persecution, you do depend on the Holy Spirit so much so that those gifts of the Holy Spirit become manifest naturally. Yes. Just because you're so dependent upon who he is because everyone you know has rejected you over and over and he's trying to kill you. Family, friends just want so much hatred towards you that you depend on him so much that Paul doesn't need to mention that, oh, you know, so-and-so is a good prophet because it's just naturally occurring. 
that's why I think we often hear about the Holy Spirit working and, you know, dead being raised, prophecy, different things along with that line, just because we hear that oftentimes about the churches, you know, overseas. Oh, that's happening overseas. Oh, I wish that happened here. Well, maybe it's because they are being persecuted. Maybe it's because their yeah. faith is being tested so much so that they, that just becomes a natural manifestation. Yes, 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 yes. What's interesting, uh, Caleb, it, it's kind of like getting the cart in front of the horse kind of thing. When you start focusing on the charismata, the charismatic gifts, as though that's what's going to really make you a Christian, you've just missed it. You've, you've just missed the whole thing. you got the cart in front of the horse. When you simply drill on, we follow Jesus Christ, we speak his words, we repeat his behaviors, then the Holy Spirit empowers that. The Holy Spirit will do nothing that leads to the self-glorification of a Christian. Whether it's because they have ego deficiencies and identity problems, or whether they just, they're just selfish, narcissistic people, he will not play into our egos. When we commit to Jesus Christ, he commits to us. It's so simple. So simple. No, no, jump in. Thank you. I couldn't hear you, sir. If somebody is tortured and renounces their religion, are you saying there's something that the church will shun them? Shun them, yes, sir, yes. That makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really hit the church hard. They really struggled with it, James. And they, now they finally did work it out. But it was with a, a great suffering. I mean, surely if somebody's being tortured, whatever comes out of their mouth is null and void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it was hard, hard for them. Yeah, and and we and we get put out. <clears throat> if I use, I'm telling you, there are people here that would get mad at me at Christ Church, be upset with me if I don't word something just right. I mean, we have some people so picky about the littlest things, and yet the early church was struggling with stuff at that level, at that at that depth of a level. So, boy, I tell you, James, um, we've got a lot to learn from these people. A lot to learn. You know. So who's the one guy? Let's, let's make this count, James. Who's the one guy in the New Testament, if we're going to name names and, and call some sin out, okay? The one guy in the New Testament that blew it in the worst way possible. Who? Peter. Peter. Across the board. Absolutely. That scumbag. Can you believe what he did? After all the verbal promises... He made. I'll go to the cross. I'll die with you, Lord. All the promises. Public record in front of the youth group. Uh, I'll go. I'll die with you. Yeah, yeah. Here, here. We will too. You know, all the promises. And then when it came down to it, he recanted his faith. How did Jesus handle that guy? Through restoration. Through reconciliation. But was it a soft sell? Jesus would not let him get away with it. No, no way. Not at all. Instead, he made Peter take ownership of it, and when he saw that that finally happened, he was restored. It's a beautiful story in John's Gospel. Beautiful story. So James, Jesus himself, gave the ultimate example of taking back someone who renounced his faith. How's that for grace? 
getting a second chance. And third, and fourth, and fifth, and sixth, and right down the line. <clears throat> Amazing grace. So, what could we say about you in, in your name in Romans 17? What could we say? You're the body of Christ. Care for yourselves. Why does this matter? How do we lift this off the text? Realize who these men and women are and how they're set up as examples for us to follow. Someone else? Absolutely. Yeah. It is absolutely laden with relationships. Absolutely. Okay, let's get real practical. Let's, let's do nuts and bolts, hands and feet. If we were going to be the kind of people that Paul would write about in Romans 17, what do we need to do? What are some decisions, practical decisions we need to make? Did anybody catch that she quoted the Lord Jesus Christ? Anybody catch it? Remember I told you when you follow Jesus, you repeat his words and you repeat his behavior. She quoted scripture. What did she say? If you are faithful in little things, he could make you faithful in big things. Thank you. Somebody else, nuts and bolts. Philip? something we can take away from this is if our Romans 17 
we need to follow examples from Romans 16 and from others in the Gospels, the four Gospels, of how, how to have these heroes in our spiritual life charge us forward to become what God wants us to be. You're wise, because chapter 16 functions as a hero list. This is a list of virtuous people, and by the fact that Paul is spotlighting them, he's saying, be like them. That's how this list functions. Yeah, exactly. Jeff? Uh, firstly, I want to say thank you, because I have never in my life heard Romans 16 presented in any kind of detail, mm. other than, oh, there it is, and uh, we're done. Except for when we want to go in and tell everybody how the women listed here aren't actually doing anything important. <laughs> so... The modern American church, I appreciate you saying this, is so branded out, whether it's because we believe those brands are what endear us to God or endear us to save us or whatever you want to say. This is the real stuff. So we, a lot of us need to make a decision that this, this legalism, this stuff, the rules that we think and have relied on for so long are not what saves us. It's this kind of behavior. Mm. I see the fruits of the Spirit all over this. I mean, it's Absolutely. Paul, Paul crediting people where he's, he's, giving, he's giving us fruits of the Spirit elsewhere. Here's what it looks like when you act it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, these people are exhibiting undeniable behavior, and anyone they encountered would not have any way to discredit them. Mm. Even a miracle can be discredited. I mean, yes. I watch that dude on, uh, the, what's his name, uh, Magic Show, whatever, do things that I think are pretty much impossible. You can discredit but you cannot discredit this. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Thank you, Joe. So uh, let, let's poke it. One more thing here. Outside of the absence of faith, okay, what is the one root, potential root sin that would rob us from doing anything like this? The sin of fear. If you are crippled by fear, you can't work hard. If you're crippled by fear, you're not going to be sent out on mission for anything. If you're crippled by fear, your relationships are going to be very anemic because to love somebody is to be vulnerable. (laughs) Absolutely. If you're crippled by fear, you're not going to work hard with anybody. If you're crippled by fear, you're certainly not going to be approved in Christ. And if you're crippled by fear, churches are going to be places that are pretty intimidating. Absolutely, none of them. Exactly. Yeah, they're all rebels. And we get so afraid yes. to use the gifts yeah. that God has given us and yeah. to um, pursue our calling on our life out of fear. Yes, of absolutely. Failure, yeah. rejections in society. Yes. And in fact, we're supposed to be that light. We're supposed to be noticeably different. Yes, yes. Thank you, Charity. You nailed it. This, and by the way, these people are probably the very ones targeted when Claudius announced his edict in AD 49, I'm kicking the Christian Jews out of Rome, I've had enough. So these are the people that get to return. So this was really hit list. So thank you. Yeah. What I'm seeing here is persistence. Yes. Day after day after day. Yeah. They're going out yes. and spreading the word. Yes, yes. Even with this yes. very real threat of just having the yes. whole eternity. 
R beat out of you. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes. The, the great faith that they yeah. were showing in doing that. Yeah. Real quick, to make sure you get what Terry's saying. Do you guys remember being at Park Plaza Mall or maybe the Atlas of Little Rock and you walk by an ATM machine? You know that little dynamic thing that goes in your head like, oh, that's where you can get money? Remember that, right? How's it like to be in the city of Rome and you walk by an ATM, only it's not an ATM, it's a shrine to Caesar. And that's where you stop and worship him. And they're everywhere. You light a candle or a brief offering or you read poetry in honor of him. And there's people watching to see who stop. And you're a Christian. You're a Christian and you can't worship but one person. Do you understand the dynamic? Shrines to worship. It's called the emperor cult. It's a real organized religion. The emperor cult. You worship the Caesar. And there are places to do that all, all over the city. Can you imagine being a Christian and maybe no eye contact and just keep walking, keep walking, keep walking, you know, and, and not stop? Or what if someone said, hey, whoa, hey, you, you didn't, it's the time of day when you offer a prayer for the Caesar. Come on. Come join me. We'll pray for the Caesar. Come on. What do you want? Ooh. What do you do? What do you do? Do you go undercover and secretly pray to Jesus yeah. <laughs> and he thinks you're praying to Caesar? So, can I tell you that I need you? I need you to work hard. I need you to join me in working hard. I work hard. <laughs> I need you to be an apostle with me. I need you to be beloved. I need, I need fellow workers. I can't handle the crowd. It's too big. Christchurch is too big. Too big for one man to carry it all. I can't do it. I need you. Uh, when's the last time you invited somebody to church? And listen, I'm not saying I'm eye candy or ear candy, because I know that's not true. I, I ain't no Francis Chan, and I don't want to be. But I think I'm a truth teller. Isn't that enough? Yes. I think so. Just to be a truth teller. And I don't sell anything. I'm not selling spiritual gifts and fake healings and mumbo, psycho babble, jumbo. I don't sell anything. I am faithful with the text. Period. Period. When's the last time you invited somebody to church? By the way, you get half the sermon. When's the last time you invited somebody to hear y'all? <laughs> You're yourselves, because this is a shared pulpit. Are you working hard for the kingdom? I need you. Stephen needs you. I want to give a quick word of prophecy. I did this in the 9 o'clock service, and I mean it with all my heart. A couple days ago, the Lord told me to tell Stephen this. Stephen, I believe he has called you to a ministry of reconciliation. It is based on the authority of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, where Paul says, <clears> Hmm. <throat> Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Stephen, however, be careful with discouragement. It robs you of that ministry. If you are a gifted prophet, do you disagree with me? Now is your time to speak up if you disagree with me. Okay, it has been spoken. Romans 17, 
Are you living a life for the kingdom worth writing about? Abba Father, thank you for undeniable grace that would restore Peter, that would restore me, restore all of us. Thank you for this great gift in my life called Christ Church. Thank you for the people you have surrounded me with who in fact do work hard. I am so grateful. But I pray that we would have dirt under our fingernails and some scars to show that we are people of courage. That women would understand here as females they need to step up, find their heart, find their spine and get going on the kingdom of God work. Men, the same thing. Find their heart, find their spine. Be men of courage, unashamed of the gospel. Women of courage, unashamed of the gospel. Thank you so much for the faith and the hope and the love that you give, the sanity that comes through those three things. And thank you for the hope of Romans 17, that we will make a difference because we've settled up on love and we've settled up on faith. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.